Need a few minutes to reset? Great Minds is a podcast from SBS that guides you through different meditation styles from around the world. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Playlist with Ben and Fiona. Comedians not good at sports. No, I know, right? Oh? Welcome to The Playlist, where we talk about movies and TV shows that are worth your time. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my co-host, SBS channel manager, Ben Nguyen. Hey, Ben. Hey, Fee. How's it going? Yeah, no, it's great. And I'm very excited to uh, also introduce a third co-host for today's episode, SBS Viceland channel manager, John Bohm. Hi, John. Hey, friends. Great to be here. Hey, John. Longtime friend of the show. Yes, very excited about what we're talking about today. Yes, yes, more of that to come. But John, first I have to compliment you on your ISO beard. <laughs> well, th- thank you. It's it's getting worse and worse every day. <laughs> better and better, I think, is the term that I would use. Sure. But that does bring us to why you're here, which is to take us to task with the launch of UK comedy hit Taskmaster coming soon to SBS Viceland. Also this week, Paul Hogan gets meta in the very excellent Mr. Dundee. Andy Sandberg and Christine Malotti follow the groundhog in Palm Springs. Alexander Hamilton has a cameo in John Adams. And we press play on our SBS On Demand picks. There is a lot to get through. Let's do it. I know you're raring to go, John. I am. Can't wait. This was one of your picks the show taskmaster when you joined us last year your picks of the year yes it was it was two of my picks of the year i believe number seven. seven number seven so um coming in at number seven uh <laughs> and they they um broadcast two seasons of this this year so it's both series eight and season nine of for those attempting to the- follow at home yeah <laughs> <laughs> so my number seven show is both the season's Eight and nine. Doesn't matter. What is it? <laughs> Goddamn hell, it shows this show. It's all going to be worth it, guys. Um, is the British entertainment series Taskmaster, oh. which I feel like neither of you have watched. I've seen I... a lot of ads for it. Okay. Yes, I have watched it. Okay, well, I... <laughs> Not and, seasons and, and that's, eight and, and nine, that's your, though. That's your review of it. I've watched it. I, I thought we faked it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, you, you did great. <laughs> But uh, for those listening who as yet have no idea what we're talking about, John, enlighten us. So um, the thing with this show is I feel like it's quite hard to explain. So this might make an interesting podcast um, because even showing clips doesn't necessarily help explain what the show is about. Um, Can I say even watching the show doesn't help explain what the show is about, but that's part of the fun of the show. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I've been thinking about this and... For regular SBS watchers, um, I'm sure you'll all be familiar with 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, which yes. at its core is a show about literacy and numeracy, which just happens to be incredibly popular. Um, Educating and, the kids. Yeah, and hilarious at the same time. I think the best way I can sum it up is that Taskmaster is a show about decision making. Mm. So far, so boring. Yo, <laughs> roll the clip. <laughs> Just a few moments, you will witness five comedians as they tackle tasks for me. This one involves three aubergines. What? Your time starts now. This is going to be <laughs> incredible. 
Oh, you're clever, man. I'm not going to get points off for being boring, am I? Feels like it. I thought I was being genuinely clever. I have never seen a gameplay like that. Um, but, but you know, you know, Cat Says Countdown is a, literally a show about maths and it's hilarious and people love it. And Taskmaster is basically a show about decision making and the way different people approach the same task. So, you know, the premise of the show is five comedians who are on the show for the whole season. They don't change episode to episode. Each episode, they set a series of tasks. They go and complete those tasks in isolation, so they don't know how their other contestants, other fellow contestants complete the task. And then they all come together in studio to watch each other fumble their way through these tasks. Often someone will do it amazingly, someone will do it terribly, someone will sort of do it completely outside of the box, and then they're awarded points. And uh, yeah, that's the show. As sort of silly as that sounds, it is joyous. Um, I've watched nine seasons of it at least twice now and i'm very excited <laughs> that it's coming to free to wear tv in australia that is a great pitch john i want to know how you first came across it and when it was if you can recall the exact moment you were viewing when you <laughs> knew that this show was for you uh, <laughs> it's very specific um <laughs> Well, well, the funny thing is, I do remember watching a clip from it years ago and kind of going, oh, this is this looks fine, but not really, you know, sticking with it. Um, but it was a certain broken vertebrae and a couple of weeks laying down um, that finally made me push play on my first full episode. Um, and it was those first few weeks that I, you know, burnt through six or seven seasons all at once and just immediately couldn't wait for more. Um, so I'm very excited that the show's continuing. Um, it's just been renewed for six seasons. Um, so, wow. yeah, we've got plenty ahead of us. <laughs> Settle in, folks. For clarity, yeah. John did break his back a couple of years ago. Last year? No, not last year. Yes, last year. It's coming up. Yeah, yeah, it was only last year. Time we've all, flies. We've all moved oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> We're healed now. Yeah. Through laughter. And Taskmaster was part of the healing. It really was. And, you know, it wasn't just the painkillers. I think it was... It was <laughs> It, it, it remains a very, very good show. You know, I have, I've definitely sort of like overthought this show um, for, for a number of reasons. But I really, and again, this is my own justification for, you know, buying it and spruiking it to everyone who listened to me. But I really, you know, on the surface, it is an incredibly silly show. But I do think there is sort of genuinely some really interesting depth to it in the way that it does give you an insight into these people's psyche because I think if you plop someone into the middle of a situation, hand them a piece of paper, say, complete this task, and then watch five people do the exact same thing, you really get an insight into a person's psyche. So, you know, a show like Couples Therapy um, where people are sitting down pouring their hearts out um, about a personal experience or you can't ask that um, where people are sort of, getting very raw and emotional about an aspect of their life. I think that is not dissimilar to what Taskmaster does. It does it in a very silly way, but, you know, not to over-intellectualize it, but I do think it is this, like, very interesting insight into human behavior, and that's just one of the many reasons that the show is appealing, you know, besides the fact it's also just hilarious. 
Wow, that's that's an incredibly in-depth um, analysis of it, John. Here we were thinking we just invited you on to talk about your favourite show, but <laughs> you've taken us somewhere. Um, and also the, the, I love the idea of like just like you said, the same, it's the same comedians week after week every season. Talk us through that, like the watching and us growing with them as they go through the tasks. Yeah. I love that part of it. Um, yeah, so it is really different to, you know, Rock Wiz or Spicks and Specs or another show where they just, you know, they get four different people on every week. The show really is almost to a fault sort of cast in a very specific way where they do have five comedians. You know, there's usually the veteran comedian who's been around for a while. There's the up-and-coming comedian. But, you know, they certainly try to get people that have different life experiences for the exact reason that you want to see them react to these tasks in very different ways. But then part of the joy of this um, and I guess, you know, in the same way that you watch Gogglebox and you know, you know, there's a certain couple is going to react a certain way to a certain thing, or you, you, you know, you're rooting for one family on Gogglebox or um, not that it's competition, but you know, you, you start to get to yeah. know them. Um, and the same thing happens with Taskmaster. And I think the best part about this is you're regularly surprised. There are a lot of the contestants on Taskmaster will be known to our audiences. You know, they're on, every British panel show um, that's ever been around. So the faces are yep. personalities are familiar. The circuit. Yes, they, they do the circuit. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, then at the same time, they, they do they do actively get sort of up-and-coming comedians. And there are people like Rose Matafeo and James A. Kester, who prior to Taskmaster I had never heard of but am now just in love with because they're hilarious and have now watched everything they've ever done. Um, but to get back to the point about watching them over the whole season, um it is really surprising to see someone that you think is like a certain way evolve over the series and be super confident and cocky in tasks or be surprisingly vulnerable or um, yeah, I, I, again, this is back to the, like, it really is an insight into a person's personality because I don't think you can as much of a comedian as you are or a performer, you kind of can't fake your brain having to like really quickly figure out what to do. And that, like, I just find that charming. And I think one of the people that going into it, I guess, you know, I didn't have a good or bad opinion of, I just thought he was a person, was uh, Joe Thomas from The Inbetweeners. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I started watching his season, I was like, oh, that's that kid from The Inbetweeners. Like, great. Um, <laughs> that rando. Yeah, that guy who was in that show I watched. <laughs> that guy from that yeah. thing. Um, yeah. But he's, like, charmingly insecure. He's, like, you know, just despite being this, like, handsome, successful actor, he, like, really stumbles over everything he does in tasks. He's really good at some tasks and really ter- terrible at others. Um, but, yeah, I get the picture I'm trying to paint here is that I would love to see, like, a friend or a family member do this show because I feel like I would get to know more about them through one season of Taskmaster than, you know, a lifetime of hanging out with them because, you know, they talk about how you know, shared experiences and stuff or how you get to know people. I think you ask someone to like destroy a large block of ice and, you know, you figure out what kind of person they are. Um, well, I, I think that gets us on to a question that I have on behalf of our listeners. I think, you know, now that we've made the show sound like an Ingmar Bergman film, <laughs> um, we should actually explain <laughs> what kind of tasks they get presented with. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. I, as I was saying all this, I realized that I had not given a single example. Um, <laughs> yeah. So for example, make a large block of ice disappear. You have 20 minutes. Your time starts now. Go. Um, 
some of them are like some of them are quite creative like um they have often have to write a song or perform a scene from a soap opera or something like that so it taps into both sort of creative and practical things a lot of them are sort of i guess you call skill based in that it's you know throw a potato into a hole um so it's like the whole gamut of i guess skills and some comedians have certain athletic skills like um what's his name russell howard you know, he just, every um, task that was even mildly sporty or athletic, he did really well at. Whereas other comedians, you know, can't even hit a cricket bat sort of, sort of thing. Com- comedians not good at sports? No, I know, right? Oh. Um, but sorry, so some other um, tasks. Identify the contents of a pie without breaching the pastry. So they were presented with um, like How five. do you even begin? Yeah, so they were presented with like five pies that had very curious ingredients um, and they had to figure out what they were without obviously opening up the pie. Um, place three exercise balls on a yoga mat on top of a hill. So, and obviously, <laughs> you, you not, not only do you have to complete that task, you have to do it as quickly as possible. Um, so this comes down to the idea of like, so do you run one up and down? Do you run one up and then run down and get the other one? Do you try to carry three, but then obviously they're too big to carry three of them? Do you go and like yell at some people having a picnic and get them to help you. These are all decisions that, you know, contestants made when they were performing that task. Yeah. So, you know, there's literally hundreds. You can mm. actually buy a book that they've written of all the tasks. Not to, not to. Do you have that book? John? No, no, not yet. There's, there's also a board game, which I'm saving up for. When's um, your birthday coming up, John? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> speaking of, speaking, I know what I'm getting speaking you. Of birthdays, Ben. Um, ooh. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I'll just rattle through a couple more. Um, I love uh, it when we get in jokey. Yeah. Um, uh, So film something that will look impressive in reverse. Uh, Throw a tea bag into a mug from the furthest distance. Make a Swedish person blush. Uh, Make a meal with ingredients from all 26 letters of the alphabet. Um, Conceal a pineapple on your person. So... There's a real, there's a real <laughs> gamut of tasks. I actually think those examples are all just from season one. Um, so there's, you know, there's nine seasons worth of things to look forward to. Imagine um, someone yeah, gets right? paid to come up with these. Yeah, yeah. I actually, um, based on the credits at least, Tim Key was a comedian who was in the first season and did quite well and was quite amusing. But from season two, um, in the credits, he is listed as task consultant. So <laughs> I think I think at some point in season one, they maybe figured out that he was good at this. Um, so I think that is his job. But yeah, it's, you know, outside of um, me trying to make the show sound deeper and smarter than it is, um, <laughs> it's it's honestly just a very entertaining show in the, in the same way that Cats Does Countdown is just genuinely entertaining. And I think we shouldn't diminish the role of just a bit of joyous entertainment being on TV these days. So I do hope people find it. And, you know, we, we had some questions yesterday when I was talking about it to some people at SBS and they were asking, you know, can, can we watch it with our kids? And, you know, I think you really can. Um, you know, there's the occasional swear word or something. But um, oh from what I see online, it does really look like it's a show that families do sort of embrace because, um, you know, for part of it, you can sort of, do these own thing. You can do these things at home, which is also something yeah. that they actually started doing in the UK earlier this year during lockdown. The hosts of the show started a thing called home tasking, where they would set tasks on Twitter, 
you'd then have, I think you had 30 hours to complete the task and you had to upload a 30 second video of yourself completing the task. And it was all incredibly wholesome and adorable because, you know, it was parents and their kids doing silly stuff in their kitchens and backyards, just, you know, staying at home, but, um, you know, trying to have some fun. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I do. That's great. Yeah, I do think it's it's something you can probably get the family in front of Viceland at least at least once a week for. Yeah, and you mentioned Goggle Walks before, and I think it's a good comparison because, you know, that's that's funny and a bit sweary sometimes, but I, th- I do get the sense a lot of families watch that together. Yeah. Like it's the same kind of, if you're into that, you'd so be into um, Taskmaster, and I hope Goggle Walks comes back for this, to be honest. I'd love to watch them watching well, it's it. back soon, I think, so good willing. We'll, we'll get ourselves on mm. We'll get ourselves on. Um, Gogglebox, which is the dream. Right. It's the only reason I. It's, oh, the, it's the only reason I buy shows. It's everyone's dream. <laughs> it's the gold standard. I, I just worry about when the corporate trainers discover this show. That's when it's really going to be ruined. I'm not going to say this, but you know we are in a pandemic at the moment. So happily, I use that advisedly. <laughs> we're not doing team building exercises <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> just you wait. But they they do also. Um, there's a section on the Taskmaster website where. Obviously, enough schools have asked about running their own Taskmaster that they've now got like a little school kit to like how to run a live Taskmaster at your school. So it is definitely family friendly. There's something yeah, for right. SBS Learn. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'll put it on the website. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the hosts, um, but we haven't actually name checked them yet. But Greg Davies and Alex yes. Horn, who Greg is the Taskmaster. But, yeah, I mean, they also do the rounds, do the circuits of um, comedy shows, so you'd absolutely know that. Yeah, and um, so Greg Davies is the host and he's the one that dishes out the points and Alex Horn is his sort of awkward, uh, subservient assistant, but it's actually Alex Horn who created the whole show, which is sort of part of the joke that he's um, a bit of a doormat Um, and he's the one walking around um, with a clipboard taking points and things, Um, but actually he created the whole show. yeah, and their their dynamic is equally sort of terrifying in the way that they deal with each other. And there's some real creepy like fanfic out on the internet if you wanna if you wanna dive into that. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have plenty of opportunity to dive deep into that yeah. once the show launches. We'll put some links in the show notes. Yeah. But you know, we'll keep it family friendly. Tell us, John, when we can see it and where. Uh, so it starts Monday, July 27th on SBS Viceland at 8.30pm after Cats Does Countdown. So, you know, just bunker down for the night. And, and why don't we hear one more clip just to puzzle us about what this show really is about. We're going to start with a prize task. And today's category is to bring in the most confusing thing. <laughs> mm. You, Lord Davis, will judge whose thing is the most confusing. The one with the most confusing thing will max out on points for this section. At the end of the episode, the winner will take home loads of things to get all befuddled by. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, James A. Custer, what did you bring in that's confusing and why will it confuse me? A DVD of The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone you spoke to about The Matrix has gone, I can't wrap my head around it, man. Try and watch The Matrix, man. <laughs> are you, are... Who are these two of these people? My parents. <laughs> 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 but here's the thing, right? It's like saying this isn't reality, there's a different reality. And you're plugged into The Matrix and you're a machine. Or are you a machine? You're not a machine, you're imagining stuff. And people don't know 
what The Matrix is about well, and figure James, out what it means. I haven't seen The Matrix, but from what you've just said, yeah. my understanding is the people in The Matrix think they're existing in one reality. Yes. But in fact, it turns out they're plugged into machines and they're experiencing an entirely different reality. Greg, can you go back to the beginning? I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> So now it's time for what have you been watching? Let's start with you, Fee. What have you been watching? Well, what have I been watching? Um, other than Taskmaster on John's recommendation. Um, well, look, here we go with something that's less exciting. I watched the very excellent Mr Dundee and I hasten to add <laughs> that is the name of the movie. <laughs> that is not my review. <laughs> they've, they've, they're on to something. I know, right, it's very clever of them to do that because it sounds like I'm raving about a movie called Mr <laughs> Dundee. I am not. Um, so <laughs> this one, yeah, Paul Hogan is reprising, well, sort of the role of Crocodile Dundee but also he's playing himself. So he's playing Paul Hogan, walking in the world as that guy from Crocodile Dundee, um, present day. And, look, this is a movie that was meant to be in the cinemas but it's now on stand because of um, the pandemic you know, <laughs> circumstances. It's gone straight to yeah. Well, you know that whole thing. Um, is it on? Is it on stand, Fiona? That's correct. I watched it there. Yes. Oh no, it's not. Whoops. <laughs> it's Amazon. <laughs> this is why. Thank you, John. Thank you for calling me on that. No, it's Amazon Prime. You're right. Sorry, I've just besmirched <laughs> Stan. Besmirched the good name of Stan. <laughs> Exactly. Sorry. Thank you. We'll get all the stand mail. Um, thank you, John. You're correct to be there. Amazon Prime. Um, yes. And uh, so it's on Amazon Prime, um, but we're supposed to be going to the cinemas. But look, I digress. This ain't good, fellas. It um, it tries to walk this line of being a mockumentary and the it's called The Very Excellent Mr Dundee because the premise is that Paul Hogan is due to get a knighthood and therefore be known as the very excellent Mr Dundee. But um, in the lead up to this, there's a series of mishaps and faux pas that threaten his getting of a knighthood. And it's this comical, inverted commas, tale of all these accidental whoopsies that happened to Paul Hogan in Hollywood, all of which sort of skirt into cancel culture and like he's at risk of being cancelled and isn't that hilarious? Um, you know, he, he makes some really off-colour comments at the BET Awards or a version of them, the version for the movie. And so there's these whole spot fires that he and his publicist are supposed to be putting out that, um, <laughs> yeah, see, you're bored already. It's bad. <laughs> I was bored watching it and I don't even want to talk about it but I can work <laughs> through what I felt watching it. And I'll just fun fact, it was a co-viewing experience here in my house and um yeah, my husband turned around at one point because he just said I was groaning <laughs> after every scene. <laughs> it was just kind of like, oh, at the end of every scene. So that's kind of gives you an indication. Who was this made by? Oh, um, same team that um, Paul Hogan always works with. Uh, it does that, feel like something that um, back in the days when cinemas were open probably would have done okay with that old cinema going crowd. But now Correct. it's on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. I don't... Exactly, yeah. I, I don't doubt that it would have actually made a few bucks at the movies, um, especially for the seniors crowd. And also it um, it tries to, well, it starts with this kind of potted biography of Paul Hogan for those audiences who wouldn't know who he is, to which I would say, well, why are they watching this movie? And then there's a whole bunch of cameos from everyone from poor Olivia Newton-John. I think she's been through enough. She doesn't need to be in this movie, but she's there as his friend. There's John Cleese in there. Everyone's problematic fave. Mel Gibson is in there for a second. Um, there's 
kind of you can tell they did red carpet interviews at events and kind of threw in another question to use in the movie because it's that um, red carpet. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of Get ALA, you know, that event they do in LA. So, like, yeah, no good, no good. It's, it's I can't. And, you know, and how's um, Paul Hogan's face that. looking these days? Uh, yeah, um, you know. He's he's an aging man and he did have surgery, so that you know, draw your own conclusions. It's it's just a yeah, it's not good. But also, it's one of those movies that try, attempts comedy and then there's music under every single scene to sort of add the do, 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 jaunty something funny is going to happen. That's fun. Um, <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> I did think after that. Um, what was it? The uh, like Australia tourism ad where they made a fake trailer for. What was it, young young, mm. young Dundee or one of the Hemsworth to take over or something? Yep. Like, yep, they like it's referenced in, this. but like that feels like something they should actually do. Like, why do they keep like if they want to keep expanding the Dundee cinematic universe? <laughs> like, hand it over, like hand it hand it on to someone new because people. It seemed like people wanted to watch that young D- Dundee trailer. Um, like, yeah. who the hell wants to watch? However old he is now, um, still plotting around with Mel Gibson. I guess it does go to show how mm. much affection there still is for those original Crocodile Dundee movies, you know, which obviously were very much beloved yep. in this country. Well, the first one. Yeah. Diminishing Returns. Diminishing Returns. Yeah, the first one was a huge hit and, you know, still, yeah. Um, but no, when they got to number three. And I think there is a joke actually in the movie that they forget they made a number three, which is a, <laughs> one joke <laughs> that I'll allow. Uh, yeah. Must miss. Well, um, we won't be signing up to Amazon Prime specifically for the very excellent Mr. Dundee based on that. John Bohm, channel manager of SBS Viceland, what have you been watching? Uh, so I recently was able to get a little screening link to an upcoming film um, called Palm Springs. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You, what is going on? Hey, get out of the water! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Yeah, so Andy Samberg and Christine Milotti, I believe, is is that the pronunciation? Uh, They're two wedding guests stuck in a time loop. The same day just continues to happen again and again. And, you know, they slowly go crazy. They drink a lot of beer. Um, and try to discover the meaning of life. You know, it's the classic time loop story. 
um, <laughs> which I think is a, a line in the film where Andy Samberg is explaining to her what's happened and he goes, you know, yeah, classic time loop. Um, I think I first heard of this film because it broke some record for um, like how much it got sold for in Out of um, Sundance, Sundance or something. Yeah, so it was, uh-huh. it's the most expensive purchase or sale out of that market ever and then it was sold to Hulu for $17 million or something sort of absurd. Um, since it started on Hulu, they've, they have announced that it's their most watched film ever, um, sort of whatever metric that's based on. So, you know, maybe it was worth the money. Yeah, it's incredibly watchable. You know, the leads are charming. It's funny. It's got J.K. Simmons is, is also in it. But, yeah, it's not, the, it's not the, like, groundbreaking smash that I kind of maybe thought it was going to be going into it based on the hype. But that said, it, mm. it certainly falls into that um, new genre of sort of like Netflix originals that are just fine and you watch them and you would have rented it on new release 15 years ago, but now it's just a an s movie premiere. So I would recommend it, um, especially if you like the people involved because, you know, they are charming and their sort of humour does come through. But yeah, for, for my money, as someone who is sort of inexplicably a fan of the time loop genre um uh, you know obviously groundhog day is the most famous but for me any opportunity i have to talk about the film about time um (laughs) i will i will bring up so um if you watch palm springs and uh and i'm mildly disappointed then i would recommend you go watch about time um because it's a very similar film that tries to remind you to live every day to the fullest in the same way that Palm Springs does. But yeah, for my money, I'm going to go and rewatch About Time for the seventh time. I, I've <laughs> checked out Palm Springs as well. I think like I sort of managed to avoid, I think, the hype, so I didn't necessarily have the high expectations going in and I um, did get a lot out of it. I think um, you're definitely right that there is, I mean, you know, both the stars come from sitcoms mainly for this and there's definitely sort of something a bit premeditated about, you know, those stars from that show you like in this kind of disposable movie. But one thing it leans into sort of maybe more than some others in this genre is the sort of sci-fi aspect and um, the work that they do to try and figure out the limitations and the the cause of the loop that they're stuck in and and how they can you know sort of get out of that there's probably a bit more of that than than kind of you know sweet gradual falling in love which as you can imagine ends up being part of this storyline but i think as someone who happens to be in the midst of planning a wedding themselves, I'm up for any wedding-related content <laughs> and uh, um, right now. And so the fact that they have to live through this wedding um, again and again and again and again <laughs> does remind you of some of the worst aspects of weddings and is a good pointer in what to avoid. That I will come in here because as John and I are going to be guests at your wedding, please make it one that if we have to relive it over and over, <laughs> we'd be happy to. So thanks. <laughs> and consider that an RSVP. Just try not to go into any nearby <laughs> caves. That's my tip. So, John, how can our listeners watch Palm Springs for themselves? Uh, Well, it's currently not out in Australia, but given the uh, velocity of original films like Dundee and uh, I Am Woman and, you know, 
20 other films that have gone straight to SVOD. I have no doubt that this will um, pop up on one of the many streaming services any day because it's it's very watchable and I'm sure someone will pay a lot mm. of money for it here. So just keep clicking refresh. And yeah. no, like on the right platform too. So don't you don't <laughs> misname it on a podcast hypothetically. Um, ben, what have you been watching? Well, in our last episode, which may or may not be available on your podcast platform of choice, um, we discussed Hamilton, the sort of Broadway musical, which I think is creating a big splash on Disney+. Plus. They're certainly throwing a lot into advertising it, and it seems to be attracting new viewers to their platform. And basically, I am now Hamilton obsessed. So i am gone down pretty much every Wikipedia wormhole that I could in uh, sort of learning more about the US War of Independence. And it also led me to an older drama, probably sort of going back over 10 years, I think, made by HBO called John Adams, um, which you can find in Australia on um, Foxtel and Binge. And what led me specifically there is is it covers a lot of the same time period as as Hamilton. I think both of you have watched the musical and would know that John Adams gets pretty short thrift in the show. He doesn't actually appear. King George III has a good laugh about him becoming um, the second president and uh, George Washington's replacement. So this was a chance to get a real sense of what made this man because it really is a biography of John Adams told, I think, uh, over about seven episodes and starring Paul Giamatti as the aforementioned future president and uh, um, Laura Linney plays his wife, Abigail, and they're very much a, a strong team. And this was directed by Tom Hooper, who, based on the success of this, would go on to direct The King's Speech and then um, Les Miserables and then Cats. (laughs) So I think that uh, Tom Hooper would have put hip-hop music into this if he knew that that was allowed. But, you know, it took Lin-Manuel Miranda to figure that out in future years. So it's pretty straight. It's told pretty straight. It's... uh, you kind of can see some of the limitations of the budget, but they've, you know, they've shot in um, different parts of the world. John Adams, he first sort of came to fame, and this is in the first episode, by actually defending the British. British soldiers had fired on and killed American protesters in what's known as the Boston Massacre. And John Adams was their defence attorney and successfully got them acquitted of the charges. So in some ways he was kind of seen as sort of quite an impartial participant in the conflict between the colonists and the the British forces. But that's, I think, what made him quite attractive to um, be enlisted into the revolution. And he sort of rapidly, particularly after witnessing, you know, some of the brutality of the British forces in uh, against colonial militias, um, became more and more adamant that America had to earn its independence And he, during the war, was sent over as an ambassador to France to try and enlist France's support and also the support of the Dutch. So we kind of see all that aspect and then we see him return to the US after the end of the war where he gains the 
first he becomes the first vice president of the United States serving under um, George Washington and that's when he his path begins to collide with that of certain immigrant from the West Indies known as Alexander Hamilton who has a real gift with his pen and a real influence over the the politics of the party and they quickly begin to fall out and John Adams quickly becomes the recipient of some of the tongue lashings as notated over with um, quill and ink that that Hamilton specialises in. So this, as someone who uh, had become a sort of very highly interested in this period of US history, um, was very fascinating for me. John Adams also, by the way, was uh, the first president to reside in the White House. Um, so, you know, there's there's things he managed to, to achieve, but he also was a one-termer and uh, suffered the fate of due to um, the aforementioned Hamilton um, didn't end up running for re-election in 1800 um, and that election was won by a certain Thomas Jefferson who also uh, features quite heavily in the series. So uh, the lack of hip-hop musical numbers aside, um, you know, this was quite a enjoyable drama series and uh, given that, you know, we're part of the family, we can proudly say that it did launch on SBS back in the day. Back in the day. Um, so it's it's part of the, the history of our very own channels. <laughs> yes. We were ahead of the curve. Back when we could buy HBO shows. This in the first season of Boardwalk Empire and Entourage. And Oz. Yeah. Oh, no, Oz, yeah, which started it all. Well, Arliss came before that, but we're getting yeah. sidetracked. We here. digress. Unless you're going <laughs> to history of SBS. <laughs> unless you're going to sing this, yeah. <laughs> Name checking all our old shows. Yes. Well, thank you, Ben. That's interesting. Yeah, nice little spin off from um, last week's conversation. So, where'd you say you can watch it? Uh, you can watch it all on binge and I pro- uh, imagine on Foxtel now as well. So now each week we talk about some of the highlights that you can discover right now on SBS On Demand. And given that we have a special guest with us in the Zoom studio, um, John Bohm, um, what's your OD pick for us? Uh, so this, again, is a little bit of a tease because it doesn't start until August 3rd. But I am very excited that we um, will be adding all three seasons of Difficult People Yay. to SBS On Demand. It'll also be airing on SBS Viceland, but you'll be able to binge the whole thing on demand from August 3rd. For those that aren't uh, familiar, um, this is a Hulu comedy from a a few years ago. Um, And on the long list of shows I, you know, hoped to have been able to buy for SBS at some point, this was pretty high at the top along with with Taskmaster. And it stars uh, Billy Eichner and Julie Klaschner. Um, She's the creator of the show. And basically it's 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 a very sort of traditional sitcom. Every episode is self contained. And it is about two jaded comedians uh, living their life in New York City. I do make the comparison to Seinfeld, not only because I think the show is brilliant and should be compared to Seinfeld, um, but also just sort of tonally and thematically, there's a lot of, uh, you know, complaining about life and sitting in coffee shops and interacting with slightly annoying people that derail your day. And it's a lot of fun. Um, It's currently not been seen in Australia. So I'm really glad we're able to launch all 
three seasons. Um, it's a very, very easy watch and also a very easy rewatch. So yeah, it starts August 3rd on SPS On Demand and on SPS Viceland. So please tune in. Yeah, please do. I love Difficult People. We've discussed it at length over the years and I know of your struggles to try and <laughs> get it. Um, no, it's a real win. And yeah, well done. I want to know what else is on your list. <laughs> What, what else you want to buy? We'll, we'll get yeah, there. Yeah. Um, we'll have you back every time you uh, you get them. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. I would wholeheartedly endorse that too. Yeah, it's funny and cynical and I love it. And Lin-Manuel Miranda makes a cameo in one episode, so we can. Oh, great. I'm in there. It, it's, rele- <laughs> it's as relevant as well, ever. Well, Ben's it's in. Re- as relevant as ever. <laughs> and Fee, what's your OD pick? Well, I've got a movie um, pick. It's um, just arrived at SBS On Demand. It did play on SBS World Movies last week, I guess. This one is Arctic and stars Mr Mads Mikkelsen. Um, I am on the record as saying I love movies where it's a survival story. So it's one person against the elements and it's, you know, two hours of basically watching someone try not to die. So, you know, in that vein, you know, Castaway, of course, Gravity, um, All is Lost is one of my favourites with Robert Redford. You know, there's so many in this genre. And add to that, Mads Mikkelsen in Arctic. So he, um, it starts off with a pretty dramatic helicopter crash, which strands him in the Arctic. And, um, yeah, it's just an incredible story of survival against freezing cold conditions. There's a polar bear that lurks a little too close. Yeah, it's, you know, you know the genre and I'm all for this and... I'm all for it, especially when it's Mads in the lead and there's, um, yeah, it's like you feel you feel the pain in this one. Um, you know, you're so close to a snapped limb walking over ice that you don't really know what's underneath it. Um, yeah, you feel, very much feel his peril. And, yeah, it had me from start to finish. Big fan. And you can watch it at On Demand. Cool. Uh, so a quick pick there. So, Ben, what's your On Demand pick? Well, um, recently on SBS On Demand, we've been trying to get up more of SBS's original dramas. So there are a number of previous uh, commission series that you can go back and revisit. And one of them is The Principal, which was um, one of the, the very first dramas that kind of represented SBS stepping back into that genre after sort of having had some past success with things like East West 101 and um, and uh, Rand, Remote Area Nurse, um, Carla Cometti. Um, we'd sort of been out of the genre for a while and then um, the principal got us back in there. And it's a four-parter. It was very successful and um, very acclaimed and award-winning. And it was directed by Kriv Stenders, um, the Australian filmmaker, and what he does in the series, which um, I think really elevates it, is there's a lot of um, the, the colour palette is very striking. There's a lot of kind of filters and tinges. The visual look of the film is quite unusual, uh, sorry, of the, the series. So I think it takes what is a murder mystery set within a high school, which is sort of the basic kind of plot engine, and gives it a real sense of style. And I think that that was, you know, very important in terms of making a mark about what SBS was, would do in drama. And then the casting is very interesting as well. Alex Dimitriades, who was very well, well known from originally the movie The Heartbreak Kid and then Heartbreak High as playing a, a teenage character, is cast here as the principal of the school, um, Matt Bashir. 
And it also, the school setting, just as Heartbreak High did, allows for a lot of young actors to get their break, sort of like a diverse cast of um, very talented young actors, which was was also sort of an important function of the series um, and it allowed those actors to get uh, um, an entryway into the industry. I think sort of looking back at it, the show premiered in um, 2015 and um, sort of there's some elements that maybe look a little bit tired. I think that um, there's a major subplot surrounding a character who's in the closet and, you know, highly conflicted as a result of that. Um, And I do feel a bit like we've kind of moved a bit beyond the um, shame of being gay storylines which sort of certainly is kind of attached to this character in in the show. Um, I, I felt like that was a problem in um, the second series of True Detective, for example. I feel like there's LGBT storylines that we can tell beyond the the shame of being kind of exposed, which is kind of what what happens here. And yeah. and I think another thing which sort of perhaps is dated is that Alex Dimitriotti's um, as fine an actor as he is. Uh, is of Greek heritage, is a white actor, and he's cast here in a Middle Eastern role as a Lebanese man. And I do think that we are much more conscious now about um, the way that we cast race. And I think that just the mere fact that he, he has dark skin doesn't shouldn't necessarily allow him to play other races with dark skin. I think that for me that's problematic. But there's plenty of reason to to revisit it, not least just to sort of get an understanding of how SBS sort of tried to re-enter drama and try and forge this path of multicultural storytelling. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, you've piqued my interest to go back and rewatch it actually. Um, and it's it's at on demand, as you say. There's there's quite a few of the um, the archive SBS dramas back up there. You mentioned East West 101. That's um, that's back on there as well. Yeah, so as always, plenty to watch on SBS On Demand. And so there's a few options for you um, if your viewing window opens up this weekend. And that's it for our show. Make sure you listen to SBS The Playlist wherever you get your podcasts and give us a lot of stars. Leave us a nice review because it helps people to find the show. And you can let us know what you thought of the movies and TV shows we discussed on Facebook or Twitter at SBS Movies. I'm on Twitter at Ben Nguyen TV. I'm on Twitter at Anything But Fee John, where are you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Idents. <laughs> Talking task. I'm not really on TikTok. <laughs> and the playlist is produced by Jeremy Wilmot, who I'm assured is very big on TikTok. Until next week. Thanks for listening. Why do people want to be at work? To feel heard, appreciated, part of something. And to know there's a career path for everyone. Inclusive workplaces are linked to increased innovation, productivity and employee satisfaction. Make your organisation a place where people want to be. For inclusion and diversity training, visit inclusion-program.com.au.